Hello, this is Supriti from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Monday, the 22nd of March. Today, India reported the highest daily increase in COVID-19 cases since November with more than 40,000 new infections, taking the tally to over 1 crore 16 lakhs. The death toll climbed to nearly 1 lakh 60,000 after 212 people lost their lives since yesterday. Maharashtra once again broke its own record and registered over 30,000 new COVID-19 cases yesterday, which is the highest since the pandemic began. It is one of 6 states that account for 83% of new cases reported, the others being Punjab, Kerala, Karnataka, Gujarat, and Madhya Pradesh. The health ministry noted that at present more than 12 states in India have shown a surge in COVID-19 cases in the last few weeks and pilgrims expected to visit Haridwar during the Kumbh Mela could also be from these states Times of India reported The center further noted that there is a potential of an upsurge in cases in the local population after Shahi Snan days during the Kumbh Mela The health ministry said in a statement and I quote As per the report of the central team, 10 to 20 pilgrims and 10 to 20 locals are being reported positive every day. This positivity rate has the potential to rapidly turn to an upsurge in cases given the expected large footfall during Kumbh. End quote. The center advised the state to up its RT-PCR testing as per the ICMR guidelines to ensure that pilgrims and local people are appropriately tested. Globally, COVID-19 has infected more than 123.1 million people and killed over 2.72 million, according to John Hopkins University. A top UK health official said on Sunday that people may need to wear masks and maintain physical distancing in the country for several years till the situation returns to normal, BBC reported. Public Health England's chief of immunization, Mary Ramsey said, and I quote, "People have gotten used to these lower level restrictions now." and people can live with them and the economy can still go on with those less severe restrictions in place so i think certainly for a few years at least until other parts of the world are as well vaccinated as we are and the numbers have come down everywhere that is when we may be able to go very gradually back to a more normal situation end quote Reuters reported on Sunday that pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca said that its COVID-19 vaccine contained no pork-derived ingredients after apprehensions were raised in Indonesia that the drug violates Islamic law. Indian Express reported today that the center has paid rupees 4.1 crore to the State Bank of India as commission for the sale of electoral bonds with the government spending an additional rupees 1.86 crores on the printing of these bonds. In a response to an RTI application filed by Lokesh Gupta, SBI said that the total commission payable by the government to the state-owned lender was rupees 4.35 crores for 15 phases of bond sales, and the government has paid rupees 4.1 crores for 13 phases. Rupees 25 lakhs is still due to be paid. Electoral bonds are monetary instruments that citizens or corporate groups can buy from a bank and give to a political party, which is then free to redeem them for money. The center had first introduced electoral bonds in January 2018. The RTI response comes a few days after the Supreme Court agreed to hear a plea seeking direction to stop sale of electoral bonds. An NGO called Association for Democratic Reforms had moved the court on March 9th, citing serious apprehension that the sale of electoral bonds ahead of the upcoming assembly polls would lead to an increase in illegal funding of political parties through shell companies. 
it had approached the court in October last year as well, seeking to stop the sale of electoral bonds ahead of the Bihar Assembly elections. However, and electoral bonds worth more than Rs 282.29 crores was sold through the SBI. The Assembly elections are here, and our reporters are currently on the ground working hard to get you the stories that matter from West Bengal, Kerala, Tamil Nadu, Puducherry and Assam. One of our latest reports is about Lakshmi Devi, whose photograph was plastered alongside Modi's in an ad claiming she had received a house under the Pradhan Mantri Awas Yojana. Our team met her to know the truth. You can feed your curiosity as well by reading the report titled This is Wrong, Meet the Woman in Modi's Housing Ad. While you're there, you can check out reports from other states in the NL Sena project called Assembly Elections 2021 and contribute to help fund our election coverage. Dear listeners, our team can report from the ground only because you support us. We are an independent news platform producing podcasts, ground reports, interviews, videos, media critique and much more. We would not be able to do all this work if not for our subscribers. So, if you aren't a subscriber already, join the movement to keep news free and independent. Go to newslaundry.com and hit the subscribe button at the top right-hand corner of the website. Our lowest subscription starts at Rs 300 a month only. Pay to keep news free. After garnering mass attention for his controversial comments on ripped jeans, the new Uttarakhand Chief Minister, Tirat Singh Rawat, is back in the news for blaming the US for 200 years of rule in India. NDTV reported that in a video of his speech while he was addressing a program in Nainital's Ramnagar on Sunday, the chief minister was heard saying, and I quote, As opposed to other countries, India is doing better in handling the pandemic. America, who enslaved us for 200 years and ruled the whole world, is struggling at present. End quote. Just earlier this week, Rawat had faced flack for his controversial comments on women wearing ripped jeans and he thinks they cannot provide the right environment at home for children. He said he was shocked to see a woman running an NGO in ripped jeans and was concerned about the example she was setting for society. Yesterday, the 56-year-old BJP leader said he had gone under self-isolation as he had tested positive for the coronavirus. He said, and I quote, My coronavirus test report has come out to be positive. I am doing fine and facing no issues at all. I have undergone self-isolation under supervision of doctors. All those who have come in contact with me recently, please get yourself tested and take precautions. End quote. A special national investigation agency court denied bail today to 83-year-old Jesuit priest and activist Stan Swamy and accused in the Bhima Koregaon case. According to Live Law, the application that had been pending since November last year was dismissed on merits as well as on medical grounds. Swami, who was arrested on October 8th, has been charged under various sections of the Indian Penal Code and terror-related offences under the Unlawful Activities Prevention Act for allegedly furthering the cause of the banned Communist Party of India Maoist. In his bail plea, Swami had alleged that he was being targeted by the central agency because of his writings and work related to caste, land struggles and the violation of the democratic rights of India's marginalised citizens. He further denied any connection with the organization of the Elga Parishad event held in Pune on December 31, 2017. Swami's advocate Sharif Sheikh had argued that the NIA failed to establish Swami's connection with the event. Citing Swami's poor health, the plea read, and I quote, He has undergone two hernia operations and is still suffering from abdomen pain. 
he suffers intense pain due to lumbar spondylitis and tremors in both hands due to Parkinson's. In fact, he has been shifted to the prison hospital and is being taken care of by other inmates. End quote. Since June 2018, many activists and intellectuals, including Swami, have been arrested and denied bail for allegedly provoking the Bhima Kurigao violence. They have been accused of operating as urban Naxals with Maoist connections and carrying out anti-national activities. Two minors were allegedly sexually assaulted while one of them was killed in Musafarnagar on Saturday, Indian Express reported. According to the police, the two boys were aged 10 and 7. Superintendent of Police City Arpit Vijay Vargia said, and I quote, We had received information that two boys had gone missing in the area. Police were alerted and efforts were made to trace both the minors. We found the body of one minor while another was found injured. Both boys were sexually assaulted. We have a suspect who will be presented to the magistrate after the medical examination is carried out. End quote. According to police and residents of the area, the 7-year-old was abducted after he had stepped out to play on Saturday morning, while the 10-year-old was kidnapped while he was returning home from school in the afternoon on the same day. Both of them belonged to the same village. Police detained the accused after he was pointed out by residents as being in an inebriated condition in the area. The accused was also identified by the surviving minor. BBC journalist Ong Thura has been released in Myanmar days after he was detained. The BBC Burmese service reporter had been taken away by men in plain clothes on March 19th while he was reporting outside a court in the capital, the BBC reported today. 40 journalists have been arrested since the civilian government was overthrown in a military coup on February 1st. The military has also revoked the licenses of five media companies. Last Friday, Ong Thura was taken away with another reporter, Than Tike Ong, who works for the local news organization Mizima. Mizima's operating license was revoked by the military government earlier this month. The men who detained the journalists had arrived in an unmarked van at around midday local time and demanded to see them. The BBC was unable to contact them after that. According to the UN, at least 149 people have died during the civil disobedience, though the actual figure is thought to be much higher. One of the bloodiest days was March 14th, when 38 were confirmed to have been killed. On Sunday, Mizoram Chief Minister Zoram Thanga held a meeting with Myanmar's Foreign Minister Zin Mar Ong on the current political situation and the hardships being faced by the Zo ethnic people in Myanmar. After being banned on social media platforms such as Twitter, YouTube and Facebook, former US President Donald Trump is set to return to social media in two to three months with his own platform, The Guardian reported. Speaking to Fox News on Sunday, Trump's senior advisor Jason Miller said, and I quote, I do think that we are going to see Donald Trump returning to social media in probably about two or three months with his own platform. And this is something that I think will be the hottest ticket in social media. It's going to completely redefine the game and everybody is going to be waiting and watching to see what exactly former President Donald Trump does, end quote. Trump's Twitter account was permanently suspended on January 8th in the wake of violence by his supporters in the US Capitol. Twitter cited the risk of further incitement of violence as the reason for the move. Trump's account was initially blocked for 12 hours, but Twitter took permanent action following two of Trump's tweets against the platform. Social media platforms that have banned Trump are yet to take any decision on restoring his accounts. 
Reuters reported that Twitter last week said it would seek public input on when and how it should ban world leaders, saying it was reviewing policy and considering whether the leaders should be held to the same rules as other users. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a good day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.